Hello everyone, welcome to One Bit Wonders. In today's episodes, we'll talk about uh, our dream playdate ports and demakes. So, yeah, I'm gonna start um, by talking about a game which I think with very, very little adjustments uh, could make it into the playdate, and that's Downwell. Um, mm. For those who don't know, Damwell is a top-down, rock-like um, platformer shooter. I think that's the best way I can describe it. <laughs> yeah. Um, in which you fall down um, from a well and you shoot from your boots and you, you get new weapons and stuff like that. Well, the game actually has three colors. Well, I think you can also change the color palette but it's usually black, white, and red. But mm -hmm. I think you could get away with, you know, removing the red um, for the Playdate version. And of course, you wouldn't have the alternate um, palettes, color palettes, um, because right. the display is one bit only. Um, but other than that, I think the game would make a great transition to Playdate. Yeah, it's it seems like a good idea. I've it, would it be maybe interesting to have it play in portrait mode or sorry, lands uh, portrait mode? Yeah. Um, or would that be difficult? You think? I think it would be very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, if the playdate was designed for both orientations, then sure, oh, that would be great. But no, <laughs> no, I don't think that would be. Um, a good idea, yeah. actually. With one moment of thought, uh, I've yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, if it was <laughs> set up like the Wonder Sun, then that would Death. be yeah, that would be like uh, totally possible. Uh, but it's not set up like a Wonder Sun, so probably not a good idea. Yeah, I'd like to confirm to the listeners that I have in fact seen a playdate. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> Do you have one? Or... No, I have a sticker. Okay. So did you go to like conventions or? Oh no, I just meant that I I know what it looks like. <laughs> oh okay, <laughs> I okay. thought you you saw one in person or something. No, no. Well, I think um you know this kind of action rogue like kind of game is perfect for the play date because mm -hmm. um you know it's the kind of game you play in short bursts and. Yeah, I think it would be a great fit because of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, another game, and yeah, it's the polar opposite from Danwell. Um, Baba is You. Ooh. So, yeah, it's one of my favorite puzzle games. Um, and I also think it would um, make perfect sense on the playdate because mm -hmm. the game has a very, um, you know, um, minimalist aesthetic. And it doesn't really use color that much. Um, like, you know, yeah, there, there is color, but um, usually it's not like an important mechanic in the puzzles. And yeah, I think it would make a great transition to the playdate. And it would be nice to have a, you know, a brain teaser of that quality on the system. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being a puzzle game, it's also not that hard to port over um i think it could even be be done in pulp um 
great. That's because, what I was going to say. Yeah, it, because it has like grid-based movement. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because the game is very grid-based, like, um, you know, uh, Rogue uh, the or Sokoban, more precisely. Right. Um, I think that's why it would be, um, you know, doable even on pulp, pulp script. But uh, I don't think um, that would be the ideal method um, because you also want uh, the graphics to look like Baba is You and not like a gimmick. Well, at right. least I would want it to look um, kind of close. Um, so yeah, I think it's doable. I think it would be really, really great. Um, it's kind of like Sokoban, but with programming yeah. elements to it. Um, so you kind of declare variables um, to move through puzzles. You well, you have to physically arrange them around Baba's world, and sometimes there are um, you know uh, things that aren't letting you pass through, and sometimes there are blocks that are completely well blocked, so mm -hmm. you cannot uh, change their attributes. Um, so you have to do what you can with what you have. Um, and yeah, it's yeah. one of the most clever puzzle games. I would say um, maybe as good as something like Portal. Uh, I've enjoyed it as much. You know, of course, Portal has better storytelling and <laughs> all of that. But yeah, Baba is you in terms of puzzle design. It is superb. Yeah, I'm really not much of a puzzle person. But from what I've mm -hmm. seen, at least visually, I think it would be really interesting on the play date. Um, I think it might be a little difficult to have a large enough playing field while also having legible blocks because the actual mm -hmm. physical size of the screen is so small, but I think it could be done. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, you know, they would have to make like levels specifically for Playdate that can fit there, or right. maybe they will have to, you know, maybe a scrolling mechanic um, because all levels in Baba is you take place on the same screen, but maybe on the play date you need to uh, scroll around the screen a little. Yeah. yeah. It could but, be like oh. in uh, in Kirby's in Kirby's Golf. I can't remember the, quite the name of the game where mm. you can actually, actually move the screen around to scroll uh, without moving. You know, I think that would be very useful. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think, um, you know, a brain teaser of that quality um, on the go, uh, on the play date, um, that would be really, really great. Yeah. Um, and maybe another indie that will bring, bring us something, um, you know, as good as Bawa, or maybe, you know, um, they strike a deal with Panic and Baba is ported to play date. <laughs> I, I would love that. Actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a puzzler historically is the first thing you put on a on a handheld. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a good choice. Yeah. Uh, anything else to add, or do you want me to go in there um, with one? Yeah, um, I just wanted to tell people that um, if you like brilliant puzzle games, um, maybe get Baba is You. Or if you if you got the most recent itch.io bundle, maybe it's already in your collection, but you just haven't <laughs> tried it. Uh, it's awesome. Check it out. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what's the first game um, you want to talk about then? Uh, so the first one, I'm going to kind of come out the date or come out the gate uh, rather with 
something a little out there. So my first pick is Virtua Racing, which mm -hmm. is uh, one of the first 3D racers on a console of all time. Came out on the Sega Genesis. Yes, uh, with yeah. the AV1 chip or something like that. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, mm -hmm. And what, one of the things that really interests me about it is that uh, it uses flat shaded polygons, right? So there's no texturing in the game, which on one hand, it would be easier for the playdate to uh, accommodate uh, performance-wise. But on the other hand, being a one-bit console, it might be hard in terms of uh, differentiation of the polygons faces. Uh, but I yeah. think with enough uh, dithering, uh, it would be it would be doable and it would be readable. So I think it would look like a Bechtrex game, or like uh, yes. you know this game like uh, Battle Zone. The right. I think it would look a lot like that. Yes, um, that's a great point. You could have it be, uh, you could have it be vector, but you would have it or wireframe rather, but you would have back vectors uh, called out so that um, you wouldn't just be seeing an absolute mess of wires, but you would be able to see, you know, the individual polygons in a really readable way. I think that's a great idea. Maybe uh, a minimap in the corner. That could I be, think that would make it way more readable. That would be easier too. That's a, a classic strategy. <laughs> yes. Um, something I was talking about with the folks at the Playdate Discord today was... Uh, the 3D capabilities of the Playdate, because at first, you know, I imagined that there was none. But uh, according to some folks over at the Discord, it has about four times the um, processing power of the Game Boy Advance. And there's quite a few uh, really impressive Game Boy Advance 3D games, uh, such as Asterisk and Obelisk, which is a fully textured uh, platformer, 3D platformer for the system. So. I think there's actually quite a lot of potential for 3D games on this system if people can figure out how to make it readable. Oh, yeah. And you forgot the most recent breakthrough in oh, yes. GBA 3D, Open Lara. <laughs> yes, Tomb That's Raider. Insane. In absolutely wild. I'm blown away by that project. And, you know, every day the, the modding community, homebrew community rather, you know, blows me away with something new. Quake for Playdate 1. I, I would be quaking in my boots, certainly. Um, <laughs> no, it would be uncomfortable as hell. But oh yeah, yeah. My uh, know, just for the sake of it, I want it. <laughs> as do I. Yeah. Um, my third point, uh, since all of these come to you in three points, <laughs> is that Virtual Racing has an extremely long history of ports, especially with Sega. It was kind of their. It was kind of their game. Uh, the way that PlayStation was with Ridge Racer, the moment they had it on one console, they ported it to the next. So uh, it went from Virtual Racer on the Genesis to the 32X, which is a pretty uh, not well-known console. And then, you know, it went straight to the Saturn and straight to the Dreamcast and so on and so forth forever. Uh, so with such a history of basically being a benchmark for these consoles, I think it would be a great idea. And Sega seems extremely open to doing all kinds of wacky things these days so you never know from what i've heard um virtual racing on genesis was basically sega's answer to star fox on the snes yeah and the sfx chip um yeah. and, and yeah. they were kind of, they were kind of right 
I think virtual racing looks better and plays better than Star Fox, even I though Star Fox better. is beautiful. Yeah. Because um, um, Star Fox runs at like 10 FPS, and I think uh, Virtual Racer runs at like 20. Yeah. I'm not sure. It definitely looks less choppy than Star Fox. Yeah. The trade off, though, uh, I know we're getting a little bit in the weeds here, but the trade off for that was that a, super, a copy of Star Fox looks the exact same as any other cartridge. A copy of Virtual Racing looks is twice the height of any other cartridge. It feels like you're putting in a Pop-Tart. It's wild. Uh, and the the hardware that they had to put into that cartridge is actually, you know, it bumped up the price twenty or thirty dollars from a normal Sega Genesis game. It was, I think, don't quote me here, but I think it was about ninety dollars. Yeah, the age where they packed graphics cards into cartridges <laughs> was wild. Yep. Yeah. So, that's my little write up on virtual racing, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um let's see what else do i have here um mm -hmm. oh yeah um there's a game um that you can play on your browser right now mm -hmm. it's called familiars.io mm -hmm. and it's basically like you know a .io pokemon but in one mm -hmm. bit and that's interesting yeah, there are several reasons why I think it would be perfect for Playdate. Um, first of all, Playdate kind of encapsulates early Game Boy nostalgia. Mm -hmm. And what encapsulates Game Boy nostalgia more than Pokemon? So uh, having a game <laughs> that is along the lines of Pokemon, um, that would be wild. Um, yeah, fantastic also, idea. You know, with modern touches, it has um, online functionality and stuff. Uh, so I think it will be, uh, you know, a great fit for the playdate. And also the characters are all, are already one bit, so you wouldn't have to reinvent, uh, you know, the, the, the wheel with the sprites and stuff. If, if, even if it was like a, an offline version, um, mm -hmm. I think it would be awesome just to you know, have an experience that is along the lines of what um, people, you know, living in the uh, 90s with a copy of Pokemon Red or Blue uh, had. Right. Um, and I think if a console can kind of, um, you know, replicate that, uh, it's probably Playdate. And <laughs> yes. Maybe Nintendo's ga new game on watches, but I don't like those because they are so closed. Like, um, they have three games, and they will always have just three games, and I don't like that at all. I agree. I mean, I think if they sold them for $20, I might get one, but for 50 no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, another a small point, uh, again, from the Discord about Pokemon, uh, if you really wanted to create some nostalgia, uh, you can actually, we recently found out that the audio jack on the audio in input on the Playdate is also an input. So you could hook the audio jack from one Playdate to another Playdate for a link cable. <laughs> <laughs> I think people would really enjoy, um, you know, trading. Um, uh, and maybe even if, you know, people on the browser and people on the Playdate could play together, that would be amazing. Um, yeah. So... So some of these uh, things I'm saying are basically a wish list to panic. 
<laughs> like in disguise as a podcast <laughs> but right um yeah uh it would be awesome to have uh a game along the lines of pokemon like even if it's not familiar uh something along those lines like you know maybe with a card battle system um like something quirky like that um i think yeah. it would be really really fitting yeah i think that's a great idea <laughs> Yeah, like there's already pool frog, um, you know, a game that is a lot like Tetris, but with a little frog, um, right. which was also um, huge uh, for Game Boy nostalgia. Um, mm. And I think having, uh, you know, something like Pokemon, um, that will uh, make it even, you know, more appealing to people nostalgic about that era um, to have, you know, um, another game uh, where you catch monsters and trade with friends and stuff like that that isn't Pokemon because it feels like Pokemon has completely monopolized the uh, monster yeah. catching genre. Yeah, the only issue, right, is that right now the Playdate doesn't have any uh, online play compatibility. Yes. Right. Yeah, that's why I, why I mentioned that maybe make it offline and you can trade with friends and stuff, but... Yeah. Yeah, it would be awesome if at some point, you know, uh, they enabled online and stuff and that sort of games could be ported over. Yeah. I would really dig that. Me too. I, and I think having something that could be good for word of mouth marketing for people who are nostalgic is also good because it increases the player base of the Playdate. Um, mm -hmm. Because the Playdate is such a niche console at this point maybe uh, having more people who are not in that niche to buy it uh, would get us as people in the niche more content <laughs> yeah yeah um also um you know an another game i was um thinking about um was um minute i'm not sure if you have played it i'm familiar with it enough I have not played it, but I'm very familiar. Yeah. It's yeah. It's basically a game where you die every minute. And, you know, the way to progress is like to use the information you got before you died right. um, to like um, get to places. Um, like, like, you know, this place is a dead end. Uh, next time I, I revive, I won't go there. Um, and I'll go somewhere else. And and when you go to that other place, like you maybe you find an axe, and you can use that axe to cut the tree that was on your way when when you revive. Oh. And yeah, basically that's the gist of it. And also you find like checkpoints across the game. So like if you get to a new checkpoint when you die, you respawn there. Um, oh. Yeah, it's a really fun game and the reason why i think it would be really fitting for playdate is one because of the one minute uh bursts of the game um like you die every minute so you can play like two rounds and maybe discover something new and um you know end it there um or you could also yeah yeah and the other reason um is because the game is one bit uh like completely one bit right um well, at least I haven't seen color yet, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think um, it would be a perfect uh, little fit for the play date. Um, yeah. yeah, 
<laughs> it's kind of like this distillation of the idea of NES hard, right? Nintendo hard, where you're constantly doing trial and error, but it sends you back so little that you don't feel taken back by it. It's it's a really interesting uh, game, like flow concept, and it especially fits in with that, you know, small bite-sized experience you're looking for in a handheld. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else uh, to add about that? Or? Well, um, Devolver, uh, if you're listening, <laughs> maybe bring it over. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think it would make a lot of sense. And, you know, um, like if, if I mentioned something like, um, I don't know, bring um, some Celeste to the Playdate, then, um, you know, that game has like a lot more color and um, mechanics um, that maybe wouldn't uh, fit so well uh, on the play date. Um, right. Yeah, like for starters, um, you use three buttons on that game, so the play date has two. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's one limitation. <laughs> yeah. Did Did you say that Devolver Digital makes Minute? Um, they publish it. Hell yeah! It's got to be good. So, I want to talk about another Devolver game soon, but um, what, what about um, your next game? All right. Uh, coming at you with the polar opposite of all of your points today in every one of mine for some reason. So my second game that I want to talk about today is Kaboom. Uh, now, this isn't probably a game that most listeners will be familiar with, but it was uh, published by Activision, one of their first games ever for the Atari 2600. Uh, a console that ran from about 77 to 1983. So Kaboom is a fantastic fit because it is like the quintessential bite-sized arcade experience. Because let me describe what you do in it. So at the top of the screen is a robber and he is dropping bombs. He goes erratically to and fro across the screen, dropping these bombs and these long strings. And you at the bottom have three buckets. And you, using the knob, or in the case of the playdate, the crank, will catch these bombs. Uh, which seems like a very simple, unfun mechanic, but it, it increases so fast throughout the rounds that you barely realize you're looking at anything at all. Uh, it's, it's a perfect flow state. And especially with the crank, uh, I think it's a fantastic idea to start bringing over these paddle games that were kind of lost to history in terms of game design. Um, you know, D-pads aren't actually that great for games like Breakout exactly. or even Punk, um, yeah. where you need like a more precise, uh, fine-tuned input. And also you need to go from one side of the screen to the other really fast. Right. Uh, you can't really do that with D-pads. Um, yeah. You can do it uh, a little more with uh, analog sticks, but with like cranks and dial dialers, um, it is way, way um, easier uh, to do that kind of input. Right. I mean, there's a, there's a reason that Atari took the money and resources to put two paddle controllers in every, every box, you know? Um, they are an essential control for the kinds of games uh, that were once very common. And uh, we've basically lost them at this point. So I think having this paddle control, this dial control, 
uh, with the play day is a great opportunity to bring this kind of stuff back. And, and also, uh, for another point, Activision loves repackaging old stuff and pushing it out. You know, I think that it would be a perfect fit for them. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think, um, you, you know, maybe I think uh, rather than seeing a port directly from Activision, yeah. we will see like an indie dev um, making a game that is basically exactly the same. Right. But it's on the, uh, maybe they can um, do it on the, no, I was going to say uh, on the other orientation because that's where the crank is. But right. that's that cool. would make the screen like really small. So you wouldn't have to move that much. Uh, so I don't know how well that would work. Or, But yeah, the crank itself, um, you know, it's a really um, great alternative to the paddles as they are like a very similar input method. Um, right. Yeah, the... The whole orientation thing is a good point, and and it is kind of an issue considering the way that the paddle is normally held in these kinds of games, which is facing the screen. But to be fair, uh, Kranken's Time Travel and Adventure, I think it's called, uh, has a horizontal movement for a vertical crank as well. So I think uh, Playdate users, whenever somebody tries to do this, will have already been kind of accustomed to uh, the way that the way that this kind of control works from uh, the pack-in games. So, I mean, I play Tetris on my Pebble, so I think people will get used to it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah um, that's um, something that I think maybe, or maybe having the option, like whether you want to set it vertically or horizontally. Yeah, that's like, interesting. I think that would be great. Yeah, that is a, that is a good idea. Um, you know, I mean, this really isn't, like you said, this really isn't a call out for specifically Activision to port this age old game, but for for maybe developers who are fans of the Playdate, like I imagine many of the listeners are, uh, to kind of look back at uh, this forgotten catalog of games and take some inspiration because uh, I think it's time to dust off this stuff. So, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I think um, there are a lot of games from that era um, that would work great because those games were also like um, very limited by hardware and, you know, they had a very limited color palette and right. stuff. So um, yeah. I think, yeah, taking some design inspiration, like especially for starters um, who are basically getting into programming, mm -hmm. um, I think they will have like an easier time, you know, developing a game of that kind um, rather than, you know, an open world RPG with a ton <laughs> of systems and mechanics. And... Right. Yeah. It's as a developer, it is so easy to get to have scope creep, right? Where your game gets so much bigger than you can actually manage to make it, you know. Mm. Um, another, <clears throat> while I'm on the subject, another game uh, that. Sorry, another game that might be good to look back on is Indy 500 for the Atari, um, which is a top-down racer that uses the paddle control to turn the car, um, which was kind of a, a common thing that you would see in, in Super Nintendo and NES games. But I think it's a, a good idea. Maybe a top-down racer using the crank would also be an interesting idea. So. 
Yeah, actually, yeah. Um, mm. Or maybe not even top down, like, um, like maybe you set it, uh, you know, um, like horizontally, but like the car is on the right side of the screen and, you know, you move the crank to move it left or right. Oh, I yeah. think that will also make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, Activision actually published basically that game, you know, with um, Drag Race. Mm. So, or sorry, Dragster by Activision. Yeah, or it could so, be yeah. like a little boat. I think that would also be cool. Like yeah. you move the boat left and right with the crank. Um, Wave Race you... 64. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, my next game... Um, is it's a little more complicated than the games we were talking about and i have actually talked about it on one of my one minute reviews and that is bleak sword now i think it would be really well not really but slightly hard to port it over um so i think the the demake treatment would be better for this because bleak sword is one bit but it's also like 3D. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I would kind of describe it like that. Um, like I think um, using a technique like mode seven to bring it over, um, I think that would be uh, smart. Or they could just go top down with it. And I don't think the gameplay itself would be sacrificed. Um, could you maybe yeah. describe what the gameplay is exactly? Yes. So it's basically a two-finger... Um, well, no, it's actually a Souls-like that you can play with one finger. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's uh, really interesting um, because despite being so simple, it is quite challenging um, mm -hmm. because you have to, you know, kind of know the patterns of the bosses and... And you, you, you have to circle around the enemies. Um, so there's quite a bit of strategy and skill involved, despite being like um, so, so minimalist. Um, so I really um, hope we see a game, that game or a game of that sort on the play date. And I think at some point we will. Um, yeah. Yeah, That's... but... Um, yeah. I think it, I, I actually reviewed it on the first episode of One Bit Wonders. I'm not entirely sure. Oh, but okay. yeah, I really, really like that game. And it's also One Bit, except for the blood, which is red. Um, and I think the fire is also red and stuff. Right. But it would still feel fit quite well, um, I, I think. Like, whether they make it fully 3d or they make it uh you know um top down uh to kind of scale it down um mm -hmm. i think the gameplay itself would fit great yeah i mean we've seen on on the super nintendo you know with going with the mode 7 analogy we've seen you know rpg you know souls souls like but like rpg action type games on uh, mode seven you know a lot of a lot of jrpgs used it for the overworld sure but there was also draken which is kind of a lesser known super nintendo game that uh used mode seven of sorts to have an entire world map uh i've never played this game that you're talking about so 
I might be way off base here. <laughs> oh, here's the thing. It's only on Apple Arcade, which is a little unfortunate because I wish more people could play it. Um, but it's a stock there for now. Um, it's not on Steam. It's not on Switch as far as I know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's a little unfortunate, but it's a great game. Like if you have an Apple device lying around somewhere, uh, you should definitely try it. Yeah. What What is it called again? Bleak Sword. Bleak Sword. I have Apple Arcade, so. Oh yeah, it's awesome. Uh, try it and tell me what you think later. Uh, okay. You yeah. will die quite a, quite a lot, though. Awesome. I like I like dying, in games in games. <laughs> All right. Um. Well, uh, the next game I want to talk about um is World of Horror. So, um, yes. for people, yeah, it's um, you know a horror game. I think it has some rock-like elements, um, but it's entirely made uh, in one bit. Mm -hmm. So it has like creepy imagery and you know creepy writing, but um, it's all in one bit. So I think it will fit perfectly on the play date. Um, yeah. And that's a genre that I don't see um, explored too much on the playdate. Like, the games are mostly focused on being quirky and being fun. But I think um, a horror game would really test uh, the limits of the console. Like, yeah. the console looks super silly and cute. And the game is, you know, creeping the hell out of you. Uh, yeah. I, I think... A lot of people, a lot of independent developers have kind of followed the lead of Panic's uh, copy of sorts, like can't Panic's vibe of being quirky and fun. And I think it's a great idea. Uh, I'd personally describe World of Horror as a Junji Ito simulator, if people are familiar with that artist. Uh, it's heavily inspired by that artist. He made um, Uzumaki and other mangas. So. Yeah, and because mangas are also like, um, you know, black and white. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it also like translates really, really well to the one bit aesthetic. Um, so, yeah, um, I think that's a game that would be awesome. Uh, like, mm -hmm. I'm not sure it would be like a short burst game because narrative games are the sort you would, um, you know, really focus your attention for, for at mm -hmm. least... Um, several minutes um maybe an hour two um but yeah uh world of horror uh it would be nice to have that or another you know really cool horror game uh on the play date um i'm not sure if panic has al already has the developer working on that uh they have the developer for obradin um making Ooh, a game yeah. but uh, I'm not sure if they have contacted the one behind World of Horror. Yeah, um, I've yeah, seen. It would be an awesome fit. I, yeah, I've, I've seen a couple games in development that look like they might be horror, but once I've investigated them further, they're quirky horror. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, but to be honest with ourselves for a moment, the majority of people who have a playdate are not going to be taking it anywhere outside uh, or on the go you know, until it's able to be purchased from a store immediately, right? Um, we are going to be prizing these things in our room anyway. So I think a long-form game would be much appreciated by a lot of people at this moment in time. 
Yeah, and also, you know, uh, the screen would really, uh, uh, you know, for games where you read a lot, um, you want a screen that doesn't burn through your eyes. So the Bladed has one of those. Um, so I think more narrative-driven games uh, would also fit well. That that does kind of bring me into kind of my my skepticism with uh, World of Horror, though. It, it would need to be overhauled severely because World of Horror is played on you know a big laptop screen with a lot of text. You know that's part of the whole UI for World of Horror, and I'm. I'm looking at my my Playdate sticker right now, and I'm looking at this 2.7 inch screen, and it I don't think it'll be able to hold nearly as much textual information without people straining their eyes. So I think I think you'd have to really change the game up a little bit. Uh, yeah, or make maybe a, a spiritual successor of sorts. Oh. Yeah, yeah. As usual, you know, everything has to be adapted to this weird design. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, but. Yeah, um, narrative games, I think, can work on the playdate. And um, I think we will see some gems here and there. Um, you know, uh, Panic actually published Firewatch. So yes. I know they are big into narrative games. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think there there's like a detective game already. Um, yes, come, yes. I'm not sure about the name of that game, but... That looks interesting. Um, yeah, I I actually played Firewatch for the first time last night uh, for five hours straight. Great game, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I've only played a little bit, um, but I'm planning to come back um, yeah. at some point. But yeah, you're right. Um, it will have to be reworked slightly. But mm -hmm. I think um, just having a game in that spirit, uh, you know. Uh, one bit title that creeps the hell out of you. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, that's really interesting, but because it shows like this uh, that you don't need the highest fidelity uh, to scare someone over. Mm -hmm. um, you need uh, a good story, uh, good pacing, and you know uh, scary moments, whether they are visuals or you know sounds or just uh, good writing. Um, right. uh, yeah, you, you don't need, um, you know, the highest uh, quality image or the high, the highest fidelity sound to scare someone over. Right. So, I mean, a lot of the best horror is what you don't see. What you apply mm -hmm. in your mind is the best horror, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think a psychological horror kind of like uh world of horror would would definitely be the way to go on on playdate so yeah i was actually you know imagining a game along those lines uh, i wanted to create at some point i'm not sure <laughs> i will but my idea was basically like you know a detective sim where you were kind of uh, visiting super creepy sites online but mm -hmm. they are all one bit um but some of them have like videos, but they are like super low res videos. Ooh. So, so you can't tell. Uh, and you know, I think the uh, something you can do with low res is like not tell a lot, but uh, show enough that people you know now get scared. Like, like if you if you see a couple of pixels falling from a body, like you know uh, someone's head was cut off and. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I want to create like, um, you know, really disturbing uh, little one bit uh, animations like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or maybe like digitalize, um, you know, acted videos uh, or, or like, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you, you know, going for the Game Boy camera aesthetic, but for really, really creepy images and videos. Yeah. Um, that would be awesome. Like, <laughs> If if they were like uh, as creepy as the sort of things you see in, in Manhunt and stuff like that, but it's all <laughs> one bit, I think that would be like super crazy, and I would love that. Yeah, I, I think if you're going for a like surfing the web on a one bit screen, I, I mean, the uh, the first thing that comes to mind is surfing the web on a Macintosh, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm thinking like lo-fi horror, I think it's called, or like yes. analog horror. Yeah, yeah. I, I would love something like that. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. And maybe you could have the URLs in the game actually correspond to URLs in real life that you've set up and like have an ARG aspect to it all. It could, could be fun, a lot of work. Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, I love me some ARGs myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, wanna move on to your final game? Yeah, and I think you have one game after that. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Uh, so, my my final game for uh, the day is Seaman for the Sega Dreamcast, uh, which mm -hmm. I, I imagine the kind of crowd that listens here is is maybe familiar with Seaman. But um, to to recap, Seaman is a game where uh, in you grow a little fish uh, who has a head, uh, a face, and they a human face, and they talk to you condescendingly, and it's a, it's a pet simulator of sorts. Uh, yeah, but it's a very rude pet and yeah, very weird pet. <laughs> exactly. Uh, a lot of people, as of late, have been looking at pet sims for the playdate it's it's obviously these tamagotchi connections that everyone has culturally with one bit screens it's it's a very potent thing in people's minds so i think yes. that would be great um and i mean the obvious reason here for for seaman specifically is the microphone playdate already has a built-in microphone and a big thing in seaman was that you had a microphone for the dreamcast controller and you could you had to speak to him and have these conversations. And I think being able to do that with your play date without some bulky contraption would be a lot of fun. So, yeah. Yeah, that would be um, awesome. And also like you could have all sorts of uh, charming little animations um, right. in one bit, like the kind of animations you saw on the Sega BMU, uh, mm -hmm. the Dreamcast BMU, and stuff like that. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, yeah, that and um, I, I just think that it's one one fun thing about the Playdate is that it has it it has MP3s slash WAV files. So despite being like a little dinky looking monochrome screen, uh, you can also play full quality audio, <laughs> so you could have them talk back in real time. Um, yeah. The only thing here is that it would be through and through it would be a D make because the original Seaman is of course in 3D. So you would have to kind of finagle into some 2D uh solutions for these these kind of things that happen in Seaman. 
And also, uh, I, I think you would need to compress the audio quite a bit um, because, yeah. um, you know, Seaman has a ton of audio files. And I mean, maybe, well, the, the Playdate does have uh, eight gigabytes of storage. But also, I feel like you can compress audio in an MP3 format uh, to a pretty big degree without really sacrificing listenability. And I think that compression would actually add a bit to the charm, considering the retro feel of the whole console, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe without uh, detracting listenability. Or you could put subtitles. Who knows? Oh, um, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. But I mean, the another big reason for CMAN specifically is... Uh, on, on a completely different note from World of Horror being a nice antithesis to the kind of vibe that Panic and everyone else is going with here, Seaman is quirky. It's quirky, it's weird, it's kind of cute, but in a, uh, for lack of a better word, hipster kind of way. And I think, I think it really does, you know, funny enough, fit right in line with the kind of vibe that Panic is going with for season one and for, you know, the other games that they've set the precedent for. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, also, I think maybe another method they could go for the audio um, would be um, something like Animal Crossing's uh, speech synthesizers. Oh, yes. Yeah, that would also be really cool, where, you know, you can kind of hear the words, but um, right. they sound super weird. <laughs> yeah, or you could do something like... Uh like Banjo-Kazooie's uh, voices where it's like, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun. Of course, we, you couldn't get Leonard Nimoy on the project anymore, rest in peace, but, you know, it'd be fun to have somebody else kind of take up the mantle on that kind of game. You know, actually, uh, since we have the mic here already, uh, another game that is a pet simulator that heavily used a mic was... Uh, Pikachu. What what is it called? The the hey Pikachu. Pikachu. Hey Pikachu. Yeah. Yeah. And it could actually work this time. You know, we could actually make the game work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of my. You know, I'm I'm just trying to think of different ways that we can utilize this hardware in an effective but unique way because there's there really are so many different inputs on this thing, even though it looks pretty simple on the surface. And I, I think there's a lot of innovation to be had. And maybe this console can be pushed further and in different directions than we're currently thinking at this early stage. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it would be great to have a killer app for the microphone. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, uh, I agree with you there. Yeah. Um, also, um, I wonder if the Playdate has enough processing power to, you know, um, detect exactly what you're saying and you know <laughs> process answers based on that um, yeah i'm not sure if playdate can uh, i think it's on par maybe with dreamcast maybe a little less than dreamcast i suppose yeah um, i don't see playdate running quake 3 for example right. um, so yeah uh, i think it's like um maybe yeah, is... somewhere between the n64 and the dreamcast uh i'm That's... not sure that's a good point, honestly. Um, you know, I, immediately what comes to mind is a set of commands that are kind of based on the pitch of your voice and kind of the quality of your voice. So maybe uh, C-Man or Pikachu can detect if you're sad or if you're angry or these things with 
different kinds of shouts or awes or, you know, uh, that could, you know, you could rework this concept in a way that works for the play date, which is, I mean, that's what the play date is, right? Reworking things to fit these limitations. So. Yeah, because the thing with Seaman is that, um, you know, um, it, it does a lot of, you know, use, you kind of speak with the thing. Um, right. There's like back and forth conversation. So I'm not sure how the play day would um, process all of that, I mm -hmm. think. Um, but but maybe, you know, little commands like the ones you had on Nintendox, that would work really well. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, honestly, uh, the whole Hey Pikachu thing might be a better direction to go in unless, you know, you could have these basic commands that do emotions kind of trigger dialogue trees for Seaman. That kind of takes away the whole idea, honestly. <laughs> um, but but I think the whole general concept there is is maybe something that people can explore. Yeah, it's definitely something that the Playdate could use uh, a bit more of. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's something I'm, I will also be excited to see. Mm -hmm. um, and the, well, uh, do you want to say, well, I, I do want to say a couple of other things about Seaman. Sure. Uh, first, uh, if you adapt it to the Playdate, you got to put, uh, you know, a mini game where you fish uh, Seaman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, with the <laughs> yeah maybe it's you know maybe the game is actually just seaman fisher you know you <laughs> you you crank out and it's a fishing simulator but then every time you catch a fish you have to have a conversation about your wife you know yeah there you go. <laughs> and another interesting fact is that one of the developers actually hit um, you know, a scene in the game that would trigger if a player was feeling suicidal. So, oh, wow. Yes. And that actually uh, helped someone once quite a bit. That um, is so cool. Yeah. Like um, the person was uh, super depressed and was talking to Simon about it. Um, mm. uh, you, you know, just to, you know, talk to something or someone and you know, Seaman actually listened. Oh. That's nice. Like, did it maybe suggest, like, seeking out help or something? I, I don't know. It's, it sounds like I'm going to have to look up the scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think it was something along those lines. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can see talking to a, a fish on my Dreamcast when I'm that depressed. You know, that makes mm -hmm. sense. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's super awesome that, you know, at least um, one person, you know, got convinced out of uh, doing something bad to themselves because of Seaman. Oh. Yeah. I think it's great that, you know, a developer put a feature that um, maybe no one would ever use, but uh, actually it helped someone once. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's just an interesting fact. Um, yeah, Benevolent user design, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, these, so yeah, I mean, in summary, right. You know, I've given kind of three different options for directions to go and, and I, I think it's been, I hope it's been interesting for everybody. So yeah, if you want to move on to the, the final game, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. Um, it's both a game and a genre. Well, it's a couple of games actually. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, pocket fighter. Um, Ooh. 
Yeah, um, the the, ori the original came from for the I think it was the Neo Geo Pocket. Mm -hmm. um, so it was it's two bits, uh, not one, but you know it's something you can really easily translate into one bit with dithering and stuff. Right. Um, and well, they are basically fighting games which are downscaled to work on the portable devices of that era, which had like one D-pad um, and two buttons, um, like the original Game Boy and stuff. So they were really, really toned down in terms of combos and stuff, but you could still, uh, but there was still a strategy and a skill involved uh, despite being so watered down compared right. to their uh, big brother counterparts, which were like the Street Fighter or the King of Fighters. Right. Um, yeah. So. SN SNK had some fantastic fighting games on the Neo Geo Pocket. And I think it's part of it, though, was because of the joystick that was on the Neo Geo Pocket. It's mm -hmm. really, what I think, the most fantastic handheld controls ever made. But yeah yeah um but there's also like a newer um game um along those lines like a spiritual successor mm -hmm. it's called pocket rumble so i don't really think um the current version of the game uh the one for switch steam and i think it's on itch.io and xbox uh, mm -hmm. but i'm not entirely sure about that um I don't think um, that version will come to play it because if the versions for that are already out there aren't getting support, yeah, I don't imagine a niche little console will get it either. So I think it will be another developer who would bring that genre to the play date. But yeah. that's something I'm really looking forward to. And there's also another game that is really along those lines, but it's even more simplistic and even more minimalist. It's called Footsies. And <laughs> it's basically like a super minimalist fighting game where um, you are playing what is known as Footsies in the fighting game genre, uh, which is like a kind of, you know, going back and forth uh, with your legs uh, to kind of getting the right distance to throw a kick. Um, Okay. So, yeah. Um, basically, it's like a one-hit kill in that game, I think. Um, oh, nice. Like Bushido so, Blade. Yeah. So, I, it's something uh, like that, like Footsies, I think, um, would also fit quite well. Maybe Footsies itself, the game is one bit. Uh, you know, the gameplay is extremely simplistic. Mm. So, I think that would make for a great port. But yeah, I'm, I'm a slightly more ambitious, but I think also doable um, uh, game would be something along the lines of what I just mentioned, the right. pocket um, fighter. Mm -hmm. um, there were several games uh, of that nature. Like there was pocket fighter. There was like uh, one, one called match of the millennium that yeah. kind of brought uh, Capcom and uh, SNK characters together. Yeah, there's um, a there's a fair few on the on the Neo Geo Pocket. Yeah, there's one called Gal Fighters, I think, or something like yes. that. Where, yeah, that also looks really cool. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I would love it if a uh, dev um, made a 
game like that for the play date, uh, you know, for people to fight mm -hmm. over. Um, yeah, no. I think that really distills the essence of fighting games, but for, uh, you know, one D-pad, two buttons, handheld, um, something like that on the play date, you know, to... I think the play that could use um, more genres, um, you know, mm -hmm. um, to be like a super diverse uh, little handheld. Um, I think it needs games like that. Uh, for example, the Game Boy uh, didn't actually excel in fighting games, um, mm -hmm. but Neo Geo did. Um, yeah, it's a bit of an so. understatement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple things that come to mind thinking about a fighter for the play date. Uh, so you can you can detect in programming when the crank has been opened, like it's been taken out. So I think a cool way to finish maybe a finishing move type combo would be to flick out the crane um, because that would kind of take your hands away from the buttons for a moment. And then also the accelerometer uh, is a thing in the uh, play date. So it would be interesting to have a move where the only input is that you have to uh, kind of uh, put your put your play date down, you know, like, like, and pull it back up, swipe it back up. So uh, it's a really powerful move, but you have to, you have to look away from the play from the screen to uh, actually use it, you know, kind of dynamic uh, things that you might be able to do to maximize those inputs. Competitive gamers are actually slamming their heads into their fight sticks right yep. now, as you say that, yep. because that sounds like a really casual gameplay mechanic. Uh, but yeah, I think like maybe for a side mode, like, um, you know, making it a main, main mechanic on the, you know, main game. Uh, I don't know, like fighting gamers uh, really, really hate motion controls, like more than any other kind of gamer they absolutely hate motion controls and so. i think that's and i think that's a fantastic reason to put them in on the play date <laughs> Just to <pick> them <laughs> up. yeah 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 i i think i think panic really needs to provide a fight stick for the play date that you can input through through the usb-c i i think that's that's probably the next peripheral honestly teenage engineering yeah. fight stick <laughs> Yeah, there's actually a lot of other silly peripherals that could be made. A camera, for example. Yeah. Uh, but who knows? Yeah. Who knows what we'll see? I would like a little piano, actually. Or something Ooh, yeah. Like that. Yeah. The two, the two most uh, stickler groups of gamers, you know, the fighting games and rhythm games. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm looking forward to rhythm games on the on the console as well. Yeah, and also the taiko drums uh, that get used to play Dark Souls by some crazy people. Yeah. <laughs> or the Donkey Kongas and stuff. Well, you know, yeah. Yeah, I need I need a crank powered rhythm game. I think that's <laughs> yeah, that's what I need in my life. <laughs> so, uh is there anything you'd like to say uh about, you know, fighting games on Playdate or like any other thing you'd like to see or something like along those lines? Uh, you know, fighting games are a genre that I have almost no interest in, except in a historical context. So it's it's really not something that uh, that I, I can really comment much on. 
you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to do it, you know, injustice by, you know, just saying something random. <laughs> to be honest, I only enjoy, um, you know, game fighting games that are easy to learn yet hard to master. Mm-hmm. Games along the lines of Super Smash Brothers, or I, I want like every character, um, you know, having the same uh, controllers, but the way you oh yeah another fighting game i wanted to mention was fantasy strike uh that's a fighting game i have actually enjoyed um, okay because it's really simplified and i also think i will enjoy like the new fighting game by riot games mm-hmm. uh, because it's also along those lines uh, it's made by the same developers who made um rising thunder which was a fighting game designed for the uh, keyboard basically so uh, cool. the inputs were super straightforward, but there there was actually a strategy to the game. Uh, you know, the characters were buried and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Interesting, so yeah. I, I think um, fighting games in general could use more accessibility. Um, Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Without losing their competitivity. Um, I, I don't think those two things are at odds necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. Like you can have a game that is really accessible yet uh, really deep and challenging. Yeah. Um, I truly believe that. I, I do too. I completely agree. You know, I'm, you know, for a little, a little delight for all the fighting game fans out there. My favorite fighting game is Arms for the Nintendo Switch. So, I'm sure you all agree. <laughs> but um, you, you know, one observation that has really stuck out to me through all of these genre explorations that we've done in this episode is that I truly never thought we would see a system where there, the dominant genre was a walking simulator, like, like adventure games and walking simulators are of sorts are, are the dominant genre on Playdate, And I absolutely never expected that to be the case. I, I love it, but um, it's, it's very interesting. It's not shooters. It's not platformers. It's, it's narrative walking simulators and adventure games. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think that also has to do with, you know, uh, Panic's history and the kind of developers they are getting into the play date. Um, yeah. Yeah, that also really uh, leads to that kind of libraries. Like, if they were bringing uh, Capcom and, um, you know, Sega and stuff, of course, <laughs> the library would be um, more of what you more of what you saw in the 80s uh yeah. where you know yeah you, you saw a lot of platformer shooters uh fighting games yeah. um while you know bringing just indie depths um it makes it a way way uh wilder platform like where the <laughs> weirdest of the weirdest ideas can thrive um, yeah <laughs> and i love it for that it it almost feels like you know japanese ps1 type days when people were just making like uh air balloon simulators and stuff um yeah i you know i mean i this is my ideal environment ter- in terms of consoles but um yeah it's it's interesting to see this i seem to have lost my train of thought <laughs> oh yeah i also forgot to mention warioware oh yeah yeah I, many I, people have already mentioned that on the server but that would be absolutely perfect. Um, yeah. But uh, this episode is already quite long, so yeah. uh, we... I think we'll leave that for another episode. Um, yeah, um, there is there is 
one guy who's already making a WarioWare type game. Oh, that's I great. Think. Then yeah, I it's... think we should talk about that game in particular at some later date. We totally should, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. That was all for today. Thanks for tuning in to One Bit Wonders. We'll be back with more One Bit goodness really soon.